Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. So I've been calling, I've been texting, I'm like, <laughs> is Eno mad at me? I mean, I've been praising you about your work recently, about way too many sliders, hitters are adjusting to it, you won't get back to me. I'm like, is there like a breakup with Ace Cast here? Why won't he get back to me? I, I, was, I, I was losing sleep, and then I find out. The phone's been dead. I, I've been phoneless for a week. It's been great. I read a book. You got I, back I to yourself. my children. Oh, you talked to them. <laughs> yeah. They didn't text you? Yeah. Well, one has a watch now. Yeah, he texted me. <laughs> Isn't it great not having a phone? Yeah, it was, it was good for a little bit, yeah. I know a lot of people, you think it's crazy, but uh, a few years ago, we were down at the beach, and of course, hopped in the water with the phone in. Phone dies, right? And I think it's the end of the world. I ended up going a month without the phone. Because it was liberating. Yeah. There wasn't. I wasn't constantly checking this thing. I wasn't. Yeah. It, it's like it was liberating. And then my wife was like, "We have kids. You need a phone. <laughs> yeah, right? You got. All right. I'll get a phone. But yeah. it's nice. Like kind of like disconnecting from the world. And if you want me, call my house phone. Yeah. Well, we don't even have a house phone. So there you go. So you can't call me. <laughs> email get me, get me. me online. Yeah. Email. <laughs> I did do some emailing. We had to do some emailing. <laughs> fax me. Send a fax. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was a it was a good week without it. Although it kind of is, you know, it's it's hanging over your head. You know, you gotta you gotta fix this thing. You know, it's like you know you gotta fix. It's like something your wife tells you you have to fix, and you keep being like, no, 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 no. Eventually, you just have to fix it. And wives don't like that they can't get a hold of you. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it bothers them. Uh, I've been referencing the last time we were here. I heard you once in the bathroom. Did you? Yeah, because yeah, uh, you get you get broadcast in the bathroom. Yes, yes. So I, I think of a couple guys like Luis Medina. I'm like, I look at his numbers. He's got this great curveball. Hardly throws it, but when he does, they can't hit it. He throws a ton of sliders, and they hit it. Mm. Yesterday, Hogan Harris cutter slider. They got over a 300 average against him, but when he goes fastball change numbers are way down it's like you're throwing way too many sliders i don't care what the r&d department is saying <laughs> hitters are seeing too many of them 
you got to use other pitches. Well, I mean, hitters train. The, the league is training hitters by what they throw. So if they're not throwing changeups and sinkers as much, hitters are not seeing those changeups and sinkers as much, and they're not getting trained to get better at those. So I think there's, a, there's an element of truth to that for sure. We learned so much from you on this show. Like I learned, and everybody, you should have learned, that the New York Yankees have the largest R&D research and data department in baseball. You know, years ago, you farmed out and got information. Teams still do, but the Yankees brought it all in-house. They create all their own data. They have the most employees. You talked about how they have this model of the type of pitcher and the type of hitter they want. Um, And I was thinking about you because it's been a glorious thing for me when I go to the standings. And I see the New York Yankees in last place. It's like the greatest thing in the world. It's like it's like Christmas every day. Well, I just I had an interesting conversation. I just spoke uh, for 15 minutes each with Hunter Brown and JP France. You saw JP France last night. Pretty good. And uh, Hunter Brown uh, is kind of a fire-breathing monster. He throws really hard. Has a really hard slider. 92 Mi- mile an hour. Mini Verlander. Mini Verlander. Yeah. So. Um, I was talking to both of them, and it was amazing to me how different they were, they are now than when they were drafted. I mean, Hunter Brown is talking to me about that 92-mile-an-hour slider, the Verlander slider that he throws. Uh, he didn't even have that when he was drafted. He said he was fastball, curveball, and everything else they've, they've given him. J.P. France said that when he was drafted, he was throwing 90 miles an hour, and his changeup, he was throwing 69, and his curveball, he was throwing 72. Right now, those are both in the 80s. He's throwing 95 mile an hour, and he was talking about all the sort of mechanical changes he made. And what really struck me was J.P. France and Hunter Brown are not at all alike. They, they don't pitch alike. One's a power pitcher. One's a kind of mix-it-up guy. Uh, you know, I, I would say J.P. France's changeup is better. You know, they, they're different guys. They're one, Hunter Brown is huge. J.P. France is small. Uh, and so, you know, what struck me about that was with the Yankees, I get the sense that the Yankees have these findings from on high, and then they disperse those findings in the minor leagues, and that's a very efficient way to do things because you keep changing coaches, but you can keep the nerds there. And see, the nerds say, this is how we should do things. Teach everyone a sweeper, you know? And so then you tend to your coaches, hey, teach everybody a sweeper. And the Yankees and the Mariners, they literally just taught everybody a sweeper. But the sweeper's not good for everybody. It's not, it's not the perfect pitch for everybody. It's, it, it's, it's really for people who are here instead of people who are here, you know? And so, you know, already there's something you should do where you could be like, hey, don't teach it to these guys. It doesn't make any sense to teach it to those guys. And what I get a sense from the Astros, what they do that's really difficult, is have the findings from the nerds and then have feel and touch and understand that each pitcher is a little different. You mean like when they go, well, this is what Tiger Woods does. Yeah. Do I look like Tiger uh, Woods? <laughs> yeah. How does playing uh, Tiger in his prompt? How am I going to be I'm Tiger? I'm how old? <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about what Tiger did in his prime? Yeah. You want me at my age? I can't, If I swing like that, my back will go. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, give me a little bit of more like the what the 60-year-old shark was doing instead. <laughs> tell me what the guys on the senior tour are doing. Yeah. Don't tell me what Rory McIlroy yeah. hits at 370. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so look at Hunter Brown and say, okay, we got this big, tall guy. He's going to do this. He's going to do – he releases here. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. And you look at J.B. France and say, oh, he's a little bit different. Let's do this. Let's do this. So Astros 
correct me if I'm wrong, but they've really been masters at taking other people and making them way better. Yeah, even on the major league level, they do. Uh, they have, I think what they have is a great sense of, like, what they can do in their system, in their major league coaching, in their minor league system. And so they can take a player from you that you think, oh, we can't coach this thing up. And they say, oh, we know we can coach this aspect up. We know we can, do, we know we can take sliders like this and make them look like this. And you have, you have a picture that has slider like this. We're going to make it look like this. He's going to be better. You know, like they know what they can do, and they know, and then they can go and find pitchers that don't do, you know, that they can coach up. Yeah. You know, and so they know that at the major league level. They know that at the minor league level. Um, and one of the keys to that just got hired away, which is when the, high, when the Giants hired Pete Patillo away, he was the director of uh, player development. And I was just talking to somebody within the Astros organization that said he was really key to, like, hiring all the best coaches, putting these processes in place, and, you know, having that blend of feel with analytics uh, on the minor league level. So be interesting to see if the Giants take a step forward with that, if the Astros take a step backward. But you're seeing in France, Fromber, Luis Garcia, all these guys, you're seeing guys that weren't drafted high, that other people said had flaws, that weren't going to make it, and they've all – like they've all become the best versions of themselves. You think of what we're dealing with now in the Bay Area with the Golden State Warriors. You could go back in the day with the San Francisco 49ers, their long dynasty. Patriots had to do it. Uh, you've seen it with the Chicago Bulls or the Celtics or the Lakers, a lot of different sports. Is How do you keep prolonging the winning and the success at a high level? And you got to give the Astros open the window as long as possible, make it as long as possible. There might be a rebuild that has to happen at some point, but like six years, ALCS, four World Series, two championships. I mean, this is six years of phenomenal baseball. I think it's about as close to a dynasty as you can have in in Major League Baseball now. There's How do they that keep it rolling though? Because we just had Jeff Blum here, and you he just said, you know. The, the top 100 prospects aren't there anymore, right? And it it's is like, going to be difficult because they also got penalized for the cheating scandal. So, like, they haven't had even their own top draft picks, you know. So uh, maybe they can uh, hit it hard in, in the international scene. You know, they have a lot of those pitchers that they've got uh, in, in their rotation right now. They, got, they signed internationally. Um, you know, I think the Jose Abreu was a misstep. I think that was a misstep to give him that many years. So, like, there may, there may be things going on there that, uh, that sort of show – that at some point it's going to go back down. But uh, if they can keep the player development going, I mean, I think with the A's, one of the things that was kind of key uh, recently that was maybe even undercovered was Pike Goldschmidt, uh, who works in the analytics department yeah. here, the director of R&D, basically. He was um, – it's not a reassignment or anything. It's it, it, like he chose to be more a part of player development. So now he's in R&D, but the focus is player development. That's a real inspiration to me because that's, you know, he had a focus. He was doing stuff at the major league level, but he recognized how important it is to develop these players at the best they can be. And so he's taking that energy to the minor leagues. And so I think, you know, it, you know one thing that the A's don't do very much is change. Uh, they've had a lot of the guys in place for a long, long time. So taking Pike from there and putting him over there represents a great deal of change for the A's. Okay. That's why people need to realize what we do with Ace Cast is pretty amazing. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. Because back with the people who used to run not R&D, but our department would have never seen this. I know, I know, I know, no. I mean, the fact what we've been able to do inside this organization in an organization of not a whole lot of change, because yeah. it just wasn't from player development, 
God love you, Kim Priest. But there was yeah. no way it would have happened under him. Yeah. We would have done this. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, kudos to y'all. We got we, really we, cool. we have to pay Innovative. for a mixer, and we got to pay for some iPads, and we got <laughs> headsets. What? Yeah, but you, you guys make this stuff travel so much. I mean, you, you, you found a way to kind of use the content that you do make, in, you know, in ways that's innovative and, like, and flushes it out. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a really cool thing that you've done. It's it, it, the R&D aspect of it and how every team does it. It is pretty fascinating because we're still a wild, wild west, and we now know baseball kind of want to corral it and not have as much mm -hmm. uh, employees, I guess, and people kind of digging from the same type of information. You don't like that. No, I don't like that. I think uh, I think I just don't like when MLB comes in and a lot of times it just tries to limit spending. They limit spending on the draft with the draft slots. They limit spending in the national draft with those those draft pools. Uh, they, they just basically there's a lot of energy from Central uh, on limiting spending, and uh, you know that, that has something to do with parity and some teams having a lot more to spend than others. I understand that, uh, but. You know, look at a team like the Rays. They don't spend a lot on the major league uh, side, but they do spend a lot of time, energy, and a fair amount of money on the player development side. And you can see that kind of come through. And so what you do when you limit spending is you limit ways for even the smaller market team sometimes to be competitive. You so, know? Yeah, so back in the day, like, 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 let's look at the Astros. So when Jeffrey Lunau was there, and I don't even know if you can still do this, but when you start looking at Framber Valdez or Christian Javier or whoever – Back in the day, they went internationally and just took a ton of money but spread it out a bunch of bunch of dudes. Really tiny bonuses, old guys. 15, Who was only 10 000, grand? I think Christian Javier was like 10,000. It's like 10,000. They give get, Jose you Arquiti, get You get 20. Yeah. Cody gets 10. Yeah. Townsend you'll get 3500. And you know what baseball's response to that was? Trim the minor leagues, trim the complex, how many people you can have at the complex, limit how many minor leaguers you can have. So they, they, they actually went and limited a way that the Astros were really innovative. Could I still do that? It's harder now. You, you have a, a cap on how many players you can have in the minor leagues. Because I hate this fact that we're giving some kids 3 to $5 million and they're 16 years old. And they've never played. They've just been in all these tryouts. I love the idea of a bunch of pitchers, you get 25, you get 40, you get this. Bring him here and I let's mean, it's see all, who. It's all so complicated because I'm fine with, like, a smaller bonus, but then they have to be paid, like, a living wage, you know? You Once they get here, yeah. Yeah, you can't give them 20000 and then be like, okay, it's five, you get $5,000 for playing this year, you know what I mean? Which some guys were doing in high A and stuff. So, and then in order to pay people more, you, you kind of do need to slim the minors. Well, I mean, we paid Robert Poisson $5.1 million. He can't get out of Stockton. Yeah. $5.1 million. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, at the same time, like you know, you gotta you gotta bring up the living wages in order in order to do that. Maybe you have to cut the amount of teams you have because you know the, the, the Modesto lug nuts are not making money. They're not making a ton of money. <laughs> no, <They're not? laughs> I think when I went to a Modesto game, there was like 15 people there. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the uh, the competitive balance tax. Because I know the Yankees want to get out of the, the the four levels are two two hundred ninety three million, two hundred seventy three million, two hundred fifty three, and two hundred thirty three, and two hundred thirty three. Yankees want to stay under the two ninety three, so I don't know how they're going to do it. They want to get below it, and then all of a sudden you're going to have call ups and all this different kind of stuff. They want to get below it. I think what people don't understand is 
it's just not the tax. They affect you when you draft, how you draft. You lose draft So there's picks. a reason why, you know, that's the highest 293. Yankees aren't going below 233. Yeah. But just talk about how. Well, actually, the one, uh, there's another team that's really interesting there is that the, um, the Dodgers are at 248. And, uh, you know, I, I took part in a, in a sort of trade Shohei Otani game um, uh, for a, a podcast on Fangraphs. And um, I was Andrew Friedman, and I was like, you know, do I want to just take on the $10 million that's that's owed Shohei Otani and give you less in terms of prospects, you know? Or do I make you pay the $10 million for Shohei Otani uh, and give you a better prospect? And so that's something that the Yankees will be thinking about too. Do we give up prospects to get money off of this team? Do we give up if we were trying to acquire someone for the stretch run? And he costs money. Do we make the other team pay it down and give them a better prospect for it? Uh, that's that's the sort of uh, thinking that's going on in LA and in, in, in New York right now. Was it fun playing the let's trade Shohei Otani game? I had a little fun with it. Yeah, brought to yeah. you by Milton Bradley. <laughs> yeah, coming to you in the next couple of weeks. I, 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 it was a, it was supposed to be a mythical uh, a phone message that I'd left for Perry Manasian. <laughs> so uh, I had a little fun. You're with You're screwed either way. So just yeah. give me the player. I, Come I, on, Perry, you're I, getting fired. I ended it with, you know, we're getting him in free agency anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to fire Phil Nevin anyway. <laughs> this thing's a train wreck. I would say trade Trout to the Yankees now. He gets hurt every year. <laughs> I like this game. I want you know what? Let's play. Let's leave messages for all the front office guys. Yeah. David Force, that Chris Townsend guys, he's he's amazing. Yeah, you got to give him a raise. Uh, when I think about it, we're playing this game. All of a sudden, uh, Angels sweep the Yankees. The game changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to make it's going to make it really interesting. What we hear most recently is they're going to listen to uh, listen to things right up into the deadline. And you can see it in their playoff odds. Like right now, they're at like 13, 14%. They could, if they won six in a row up into the deadline, that could jump up to 25, 30%. And 30%, you know, we have one in three chance if we keep Shohei, you know, hey, we haven't been to the playoffs very much, you know. See, I go from, a, I'm a business guy. I think of the business side. I make millions, and I mean millions. Yes, but how much of that is already baked in? Like, in not terms for the of, home run record in Japan. I can sell if, – if, if all of a sudden he's going for the home run record, which they're not going to care about bonds. So sell, you can actually sell per-game TV rights in Japan while this you, is going you, on. The yeah. advertising – you could – there's a money to be made. Because most TV contracts are baked in for the year. Correct. So you're not, you're not renegotiating you don't, the Yeah, but you're, you're able to and, sell and if you sell jerseys, But if you sell jerseys, that goes to the central fund. Yeah, but if I'm selling advertisings, like like if Shoei Otani plays here and you see Japanese advertising, uh-huh. that's the A's have been selling that. Right, right, I right. can sell per-game stuff, advertising. and if Oh, he, because you have the green screens behind home plate and too, And if right? he's going for the record, do you know how many – 90% of the televisions were watching the, the World WBC. Base for the WBC. <laughs> if he's going for the home run record. Right. And then maybe that makes it more likely you sign the next Japanese player. And so that's money coming in. And if you have like a 25% chance of making the postseason and you've got money coming in and he's going for the thing, yeah, maybe you just keep him. And the one thing that we do know is the fact teams really do not want to part with prospects. I mean, in my, in my I, as Andrew Friedman. Yeah, you, what were you giving up? Michael Bush. You don't even know who that is, do you? No. No. He uh, strikes out a little bit too much. He's got good power. We don't know his position. What second prospect? Or third. What number is he right now? Uh, he's like their fourth. 
You're calling me up saying I got my fourth guy who does, I don't even know where he's going to Their number play. one guy is like uh, Diego Cartaya. He's like a, a, a top 15, top 20 prospect. Those guys don't get traded anymore. So you want me to trade you Shohei Otani, <laughs> skip out on my millions for a guy that I don't know where he's going to play and he strikes out too much and he's your number four guy? Oh, I was also going to give you a bunch of other pitchers. I'll give you Aletmus Diaz, <laughs> Jace Peterson, <laughs> Tony Kemp. Now you sound like a WFAN caller. <laughs> Seth Brown. <laughs> Who else do we got? Older player. Who's over? <laughs> Brent Rooker. Trevor May. Trevor May. I would have uh, given you Fuji, but he's gone. Fu- Fuji, no, Fuji pitching right now. First pitch home run allowed. Oh, no, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, where's Pip Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I also made the case on my podcast, uh, the 3-0 show, that um, the Orioles should maybe go for it because they're in first place. You know, they've got a young team. They've got extra prospects. But they're not going to give up Jackson Holiday. That's their version that you're talking about. Jackson Holiday is maybe the num- – I think he's the number one prospect That's, What's his name's kid? Our old uh, – Yeah, what's it's his Matt name? Holiday's old Holiday, kid. Holiday, Holiday. Yeah. Matt Holliday. Matt Holliday. Yeah. That's Matt Holliday's Matt kid. Matt Holliday's kid is the number one prospect in he baseball. He was just drafted, right, yeah, last but there's year? there's no way the Orioles would give that up. No. They don't get I, – I was in a conversation. I'm not dropping names here, but I'm dropping names. I was in a conversation with Scott Boris and Billy Bean about this. Uh-huh. Shohei Otani, when we brought him in, and we had that big to-do at our offices, Boris was there. I just got a three-way – it was more a two-way conversation. I was just there. But listening to Boris and Bean talk about how modern-day general managers are not riverboat gamblers other than A.J. Preller. They want to avoid risk. And they do not. There's no. They do not want to give up prospects. So that's why media people want to act like there's this pot of gold of prospects for Shohei Otani. And I'm sitting there going, I don't buy it. That's why I think he doesn't get traded. Uh, that might be, you might be right. I mean, like I said, I, I offered Michael, Bish, Michael Bush and Ryan Pepio. Pepio's the guy that came up, has good stuff, but does not know where the zone is. What if I gave you Reggie Bush and the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> would, that, would that help? Michael, but not, you're going to give me the number four Dodger prize, and he strikes out too much, and he doesn't have a position. I mean, maybe you could push it to Miguel Vargas, the guy who came up and played for a while, but then went back down. He's like the number three, I think. Do you believe in the whole- I'm not giving you Bobby Miller. Sorry. Dude throws 100. How about Dustin May in the uh, – Two Tommy Johns. He was a great prospect at one point. Uh, do you believe in the bring the guy in, romance him while he's here? No, no, 100% no. And here's why. He already did that. And how did it work out? Oh, with the Angels? Yeah. He already did that because when he came over, everybody could offer him the same deal. Yeah. And he chose the Angels. And he chose the Angels because Mike Trout was there, whatever it was, or this or that. The next one is going to be there's only two questions. I think there's only two questions that matter. Are you going to be in the playoffs next year? Are you a, maybe even more? Are you a World Series contender? And, For years probably, and, yeah. And does, the, does it start with a five zero zero? But wait a minute. I got Space Mountain and the Manahorn over here you can ride. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. Right, it's right across the yeah, freeway. he doesn't care about that. You can't, it's, it's, it's a small world right there, the Jungle Cruise. He doesn't care about that. He Disney can buy the Matterhorn after this next contract. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I think, uh, I mean, the one third thing that might matter for him, I, I have some knowledge of his thinking, is that he's, he's actually very progressive in terms of data, technology. He, he might want to see that your team uh, is making the most of those things. How many teams? So I would say Dodgers are the number one 
Yeah, easily. There's 30 teams, Giants and, you, and you've are already dark said horse. Space Mountain and Anaheim's out. Yeah. So that's 2019. No, I, I would rank them Dodgers first uh, because they have the data, the tech, the money, and they're in the playoffs every year. Yeah. And and the West Coast, if that matters. But th- I think those are the things that matter. Um, and so Dodgers are clear, clear number one. I would say the Giants might be a dark horse because they do do a lot of these things that he likes to see in terms of coaching, in terms of playing. You know. But has uh, he seen their roster? <laughs> well, hey, they're winning, man. But has he seen their roster? <laughs> well, that's why I called him a dark horse. Um, and then, uh, and I think otherwise, maybe like Yankees and Astros, because I think he's going to be, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be drawn to the teams that are sort of player development heavy. If he goes to the Astros, that'll be a disaster. <laughs> I, that would be, oh my God, really? I was thinking Mets, Yankees. Oh, I guess you get got, him you, to the National League. Get gotta, him out of here and take Trout yeah. with you. <laughs> you got to throw the Mets on there for sure. And actually, let me just replace the Yankees with the Mets because if the Yankees are already at three thirty-three, are they really going to go into the four hundreds? You know, for for Otani, I don't know. Maybe I don't. How much are how are we up against it? It's 530. We still have time. By, by the way, you don't think Seattle's a dark horse for Otani? I, I, there it depends on money, I think. I mean, they just signed a $500 million guy, kind of. Oh, yeah, J-Rod. Yeah. You, can you that's have a two, weird contract, though. It's not a full $500 million. Yeah, guy. I mean, they're really like the first 130, 120 Only if he's an MVP guy, yeah. Uh, let's end on this. I We're, we're going to play the trade show Otani game. Mm-hmm. We're playing it again. What team? would be the best for baseball and the postseason because it's a tournament. What would be the best for baseball? What would be the best idea? What team would you put him on? If you say the teams that are in the postseason right now. What I don't what I don't what I don't know about this question is like for baseball like Rob Manfred and the front office and and, and like baseball central. No, for us our fans. Yeah, because that would be the Yankees probably because the biggest market. Because no, no, I think the Orioles would be great. I think the Rays would be great. I, I think Orioles and Rays would be really fun. And the reason that I I agree with you on that is um, for the fans you have a lot of young players, a lot of people you can fall in love with and stick with for a while. That'll be on the Orioles for a while. I don't know if they will be on the Rays for a long time, uh, but I think it would be kind of cool to have. Uh, they, they finally slew Goliath. You know, like I think with Otani, the Rays would actually have a chance yeah. to win the World Series, not just get there. How about the D-backs? <laughs> the young D-backs? Corbin Carroll? That would be disaster for Manfred and Central. Uh, we're not talking Arizona. about Manfred. Yeah. Man- Manfred's fine. He's about to get voted in. His career is fine. He makes like $50 million a year. Yeah. What if, what if, what if, like, I'm seeing like these playoff teams. What if you had like him I like show Baltimore, up? man. I like Baltimore. I think Baltimore is just a fun story. How about put him in Philly's lineup? Yeah. And they uh, Harper Schwarber. Yeah, but the, the, the thing about Baltimore is they're all young kids coming together. You know, that's that's kind of a fun story. How about put them on Cincinnati? <laughs> Ellie Dela Cruz and Shohei Otani <laughs> on the same team. <laughs> Come on! It's just that one's just not. Do you see happen. what I'm saying? I know, I know. But I think like, they're like having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milwaukee, no. I don't see any advantage for Milwaukee. I think Baltimore is the funnest. They have a really good group of players. It'd be really fun to showcase them. And I love what I love about him now, because I, I Steve Sparks, knuckleballer broadcaster for the Astros, had on yesterday. Uh, I agree with him. When he first came up, especially now, it's tough to build your rotation around him. There's a lot of unknowns. He pitches once every six days. It, it's just tough. He's got to be in the right situation. But now he's more fully formed. But what we saw in the WBC is he's a damn gamer, and he's wearing to go, and that fits so much into playoff baseball to where 
I know, seventh game, last six to three outs. Here he comes. He's coming in. He's, 100 miles an hour. Right? He's already hit two bombs, and now he's coming in to close the game out. Yeah. That's why, I mean, if he was an Oriole or a Ray, I mean, that would be exciting as hell. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know that he could ever pull a Madison Bumgarner and pitch like 45% of your team's innings, but uh, <laughs> I do think he would be a threat to, to come back and, and give you like a two innings of super closer. Randy Johnson, game six, and then closes out game seven against I the Yankees? I, I don't think Shohei's <laughs> going to do that. They, they're, they're very much protecting that $500 million arm. Uh, anything to look out for that you're working on right now? Yeah, a real fun thing on Monday uh, that I think people will really like. Uh, I, it started with Chris Bassett in spring training. Uh, Chris Bassett, I was talking to him about all his different pitches. He's got like seven different pitches and like what he's working on with Toronto, right? And he said, um, you know, one thing that people don't know about in the game is uh, that the mounds are completely different from place to place. And he's like, Oakland, Tampa, they're mountains. There's, these are mountains of mounds. And so I have to actually change some of the pitch shapes and some of the stuff I'm doing to mitigate the fact that my mound is different now. My favorite Chris Bassett pitch ever because I always called him the prey mantis, right? He's all arms and all legs, right? Uh, and when he'd come at you and that big arm, whoo, and that slow curveball curve would come ball. out. Yeah. Yeah. And hitters would be ah, uh, they couldn't stay back, right? It was like 72 miles an hour. I've had so many conversations with him about that curveball. I'm like, you know that's your best pitch by Stuff Plus. You should throw it more often. He's like, I don't know. People would sit on it. I'm like, people could sit on your 79-mile-an-hour curveball and sit on it again and sit on it again and miss it three times. They haven't seen that since since probably JV baseball. <laughs> yeah. They can't time it. It's like an EFIS pitch. No one's going to sit 79 either. You know? Yeah, who's going to sit there going, blow up, blown up my 93? Beer league softball. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> So that's a, that's a long-standing disagreement between me and Chris Bassett, a, a, a friendly. One. Hey, what's the what's the rule on that? Because I know pitching in college, wherever you went, the mounds were way different, right? Well, but, here, but in mean, big here, leagues, these are, are supposed we, to be exactly the same. They're they are, be, yeah, they're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be exactly the same. So if we measured, if we went out, so if we went to Baltimore, Minnesota, should be exactly Arizona, same. Kansas City. So are they my di- piece how is about how much is this? How much is this is mental? Because maybe you just feel like Oakland's a taller mound because you look around, you got all that foul ground, you got all this, you got the cold air, you know that you you dominate there, so now you feel taller, and you know it's not actually taller. So uh, this versus you're at Fenway and everybody's right on oh, you. Oh, and Fenway was labeled a, 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 a flat mound, and everybody's on you. Yeah. And, yeah. re- and you remember old Detroit. And then James Paxton said, "I always thought Fenway was flat, and then I came here, and by my third start, I didn't think it was flat anymore." Well, how about old Detroit, where technically the and the backstop does matter. The backstop, what you're talking about, the backstop. Like yeah. think about Detroit. Not only was it you were right on you, but the the extra deck came over the front uh, deck, so you really feel like everybody's on you. Yeah. So that I think I think there's a lot of it that's like sort of psychosomatic that you know has to do with a lot of other factors, uh, but some of it's got to be real too. So I've, there's then there's a, a tidbit in there that people might be really surprised. Uh, I did find one mound that is different. Uh, Kind of. I'm going to ask Clay Wood, like, do you measure out? Are we to the specific letter Suppose of the law? I, asked, I did talk to some people in, uh, in, in different um, groundskeeping crews, and they said that supposedly MLB, I, I, 
Not, they didn't say supposedly. I'm saying supposedly. They said MLB at the beginning of home stands checks things. Now, do they check the mound, or do they just check hmm. 90 feet, or what do they check? Do they check everything? You know, mounds also are pretty complicated. You're talking about a slope. Do they are they do they get a, a, a protractor out and get like is it the right amount of degrees, or do they just you know that's the right height, or you know like how how yeah how detailed does that MLB check get? See, I can see where the A's ours is because. We take the field out all the time for the monster trucks and the uh-huh. motocross. We have to re or concerts. We have to rebuild our mound so I can see where they. But if a place that doesn't really tarps it all the time, yeah, I heard a, a fascinating thing from um, uh, Robert Ford, the broadcaster. He was telling a story about how uh, the rumor was back in the day that in L.A. when they lowered the mound from uh, like eighteen to fifteen or whatever, like it, there was a there was like three to five inch lowering yeah. of the mound. Uh, after Sixty-eight. The, in 68, uh, the rumor was that in L.A., everybody else rebuilt their mounds. In L.A., they just chopped off the top, which meant that the angle was for the old mound, and they just chopped off the top, so it still had, like, this great angle. So you still felt like you were coming. Yeah, yeah. And so everyone loved L.A. because they – Sandy Koufax. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, – and then people do talk about, you know, just feeling feeling steeper. Some places feel steeper and some places feel flatter. And, and, and you know, these guys also can pick up a ball and be like, it's a different ball. And they were Isn't right. Fact. They were right. You know, they said that, and baseball was like, no, 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 no. It's the same ball. And then we studied it, and Meredith Will studied it, and Athletic had a piece, and 538 had a piece, and we showed it was different. Well, you know why they could tell it was a cue ball and slippery, right? Because their sticky stuff wasn't working <laughs> as well. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. When I put the spider tack on, this is usually stickier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they know what's on the ball. Uh, but they could tell millimeters are different. I mean, this this thing they work with every day. It's their equipment, right? Yeah, exactly. Why do you think Tom Brady in cold weather wanted deflated it, deflated it <laughs> yeah. a little bit so he could get better grip? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, guys like Joe Montana going, yeah, we kind of yeah, all did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that look, sounds familiar, right? <laughs> Kickers have a kicking ball. The kick, the ball that goes through the upright for kicks, is not the one they practice. Is on. not the one that the quarterback. They have different balls, right? Oh wow, yeah. They want that one harder or softer? Uh, harder. Uh, I think I harder. Do, you whatever. You want they, more bounce? I think you want more pumped up. So. Yeah, you want it super hard. But the whole thing about cold weather and Rich Gannon talked about this former Raider MVP. Rich Gannon talked about in cold weather, just it's it's for grip-wise, mm-hmm. you know, because like, just like baseball, you're dealing with leather. It's tougher to grip yeah, yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. cold. Yeah, yeah. Look at all the stuff we learned on A's Cast Live today. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Hey, welcome back to the world. Yeah. We can now reach you. Yeah, you can call me, Cody. <laughs> at what point are you like, oh, Cody's calling me. <laughs> I made up the whole story. No, it was <laughs> definitely broken. <laughs> uh, play the man's clothes. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.